1: Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm with Dr. John Phillips. Remember to call in if you are listening live. Join the discussion. Write this number down, one 367 5329 Join in the discussion again, 1-888-367-5329. Today, we're going to talk about cutting-edge cardiovascular blood work, tests that could get to the heart of what may be damaging your arteries and increasing your risk of heart attack, stroke, and amputation. Get your questions ready. Write the number down one more time, one 888 Welcome, Dr. Phillips. Hello, hello.
3: Em, how are you? This is going to be an awesome show.
2: I need inspiration today. I have COVID. So can you bring us some inspiration to get us <laughs> motivated today? Well, you know,
3: I think we're going to kind of piggyback off of last week's quote. And this is a, a quote from um, a philosopher of 2000 years ago, uh, Epictetus. And he kind of st- he's talking about freedom right here. And this, his quote is, freedom is the only worthy goal in life. It is won by disregarding things that lie beyond our control. So, you know, honestly, a lot of the blood work we get, cholesterol, triglycerides, things of that nature, we can control some of that, some of it we can't control. So, um, you know, we control what you can control. But I hope you start to feel better with COVID. Sounds like you're getting over the hump here pretty soon.
2: I hope so, because honestly, everyone who's had it really feels for me right now because you feel like you were hit by a Mack truck. I mean, (laughs) it just knocks you flat out. But at least I got this sexy voice out of it. <laughs> yes,
3: we are. We're pulling for you.
2: <laughs> you gotta have the positive. How was your week? Any big things happening? Uh, you know, I
3: had a good week. This week, we were treated a couple of folks with uh, uh, some DVTs that were a little bit complicated. Uh, you know, one of our future shows will have a, a show about pulmonary embolism and, and, and DVT. We're still seeing a lot of. We have. We actually have had a little bit of an uptick in COVID hospitalizations. Uh, in our health system.
2: Oh really? Yeah,
3: so it's you know it's here to stay.
2: Um, Are you finding forever. that they're having cardiovascular complications because of it is is that the reason or is is it purely pulmonary?
3: No, I mean early on we we saw that uptick in in kind of some vascular uh, complications from it, but the biggest thing was patients not seeking medical attention and right. then having worsening of their critical limb ischemia or their PAD. But I think we've kind of got that message out that, hey, you still need to come to the doctor for X, Y, and Z. Uh, Another big thing, too, that our health system has been pushing is making sure you still get your cancer screenings despite what's going on in the world with this pandemic.
2: Right. That's so important. And making sure you, when you're talking about any sort of screenings, making sure you're getting also the proper blood work at a time to see if you're at risk for cardiovascular disease, for diabetes, for PAD, peripheral artery disease, which three in five people, of course, we always talk about who suffer a heart attack, have this restricted blood flow in the legs due the leg arteries due to plaque buildup. With us, we have Dr. Michael Danzinger, a medical director of Boston Heart Diagnostics, which offers cutting edge blood work for cardiovascular health. He also created a well-known diabetes reversal program for Tufts University, and he developed check this out. He developed the diet for a hit show the biggest loser.
3: <laughs> That's really cool, nice. Dr. Danziger. I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm excited to hear about that.
2: <laughs> me too. And you know, I have to start. I, I want to say hi to to Dr. Danziger first, and then I, I'm going to tell you why I even found Boston Heart Diagnostics and Dr. Danziger. Hi, Doctor.
4: Hi, Kim. So much. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate in your show today. And Dr. Phillips, I really look forward to a dialogue about um heart disease PAD blood testing that we do at Boston Heart so thank you
2: yeah and you know the thing is is my dad who's sitting here with me right now we both have covid so you'll hear one of us sniffling the other one coughing and you know it might be a little chorus between the two of us but um he ended up with heart disease and when we went to the registered dietitian she said you need to get advanced blood work. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to figure out exactly which diet you should be on until we do advanced blood work. So she had one of her doctors order a full reign of advanced testing from Boston heart diagnostics. They sent a nurse over to the house. They drew his blood vials upon vials of blood. <laughs> they were vampires. And they sent like this 50 page booklet afterwards. And I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it was this big booklet that explained all of the results, um, exactly what he needed to do to lower or raise certain blood results. And we were able to work with the dietitian to create the proper supplementation and proper diet for him. And in a matter of three years, we were able to reverse his cholesterol. We were able to also reverse his diabetes and we were able to stall his plaque progression. And his cardiologist is blown away. So that's why I wanted to share what Boston Heart Diagnostics is doing and the importance of cutting-edge cardiovascular
4: blood work. I'm so glad um, to be um, with Boston Heart Diagnostics. I really look forward to talking about my, my work there. And most importantly, it's about the patients. And your dad is such an inspiration and inspirational story. And it just... You know, that that's why we do this. You know, that's why I became a doctor to to make a difference and to know that Boston Heart has helped you and your dad to live your best lives. It really means a lot.
2: Yeah. And my dad here is so all. Should we throw a couple of questions just out to him? Open it up just um, because he now can't get the blood work because they stopped actually offering it. Because the doctors (laughs) couldn't read it, which still blows my mind.
0: Yep. Uh, The doctors for the health group here in Marin told me that the report was too complex for them to understand. And if I can understand it, it reads sort of like, as I look at it, a third grade comic book, because it has all these pretty pictures and understanding and graphs and charts and bold print to explain to you what you need to do or what you shouldn't be doing to take care of your health. And I said, if I can understand it, I don't know why people with medical degrees and cardiologists don't understand it because they used to do it. But that was what the reason was given to me by cardiologist at Marin
3: Health. I think that's an interesting uh, comment, right? So Dr. Dan Singer, Give us a 30,000-foot view of kind of the testing that you guys offer. You know, as a cardiologist, I typically focus on lipids and so HDL, LDL, total cholesterol, triglycerides. And anytime I have a patient that has a lot of, you know, premature coronary disease and we put stents in and their lipids are, quote, out of whack, I, I kind of defer them right to a lipidologist. Is that the right pathway to go? And hold that thought. We're going to
2: go to break and he's going to answer it right when we come back. So stay with us. I love those cliffhangers.
5: Welcome back
1: to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
3: Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Again, please call in 1-888-367-5329. So Dr. and Ern and I were kind of just starting our conversation about... Cholesterol. Um, And before we went into that break, I was asking him what are his thoughts about number one, kind of keeping it simple for patients and what type of blood cholesterol screening tests we should get, when we should start doing those, and then maybe kind of diving into some of the more complex uh, tests that are available.
4: Yeah, all great questions. Thanks so much for asking those. And I think we all recognize that cholesterol is a major issue when it comes to arteries getting clogged up, but it's not as simple as just telling a patient whether they have high cholesterol, yes or no, and if yes, giving them drugs to lower it. That would be sort of a blunt one size fits all solution, and I kind of wish it was that simple, but it, it's not. And you know, the good news is we have a, a, a much better understanding of why arteries get clogged up than we used to. In fact, 50 years ago, they didn't even know that cholesterol was an issue. But now we know that that there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol, and different you know variations of cholesterol, and there's you know a lot going on in the arteries. And if we can use blood testing to understand all the different um, various issues that are combining to clog up the arteries, then we can um, see which ones are a problem and fix them um, patient by patient. So we can't just throw, you know, statin drugs at everyone and say the problem is solved, we need to really see clearly what's going on so that we can understand it. So I will say that the, the, um, the types of blood testing that we do at Boston Heart are very much more sophisticated than what is typically done in a regular doctor's office. So let me say that there's sort of seven main categories of Um, things we can look at using the blood test. So let me list those seven things. So one is to look in the blood at the types of particles that are causing artery damage. Another one is to understand the source of high cholesterol. Another one is to understand the system that's eliminating cholesterol from the body. Another one is to look at the different types of fats that are circulating around in the blood. Another is to look at all the risk factors for diabetes that can be measured in the blood. Another is to look at all the different types of inflammation in the blood. And right. another
2: not just CRP, which is measured, but LPPLA-2, which is, you have the CRP, which is general inflammation, but LPPLA-2 is specific to the inflammation in the arteries.
4: Absolutely. And then lastly is the the. Genetics. So there are some genetics that really help shed light on how to move forward. So these are sort of seven categories of different types of of valuable tests that all affect the way that doctors and patients can work together to minimize um, peripheral artery disease and heart disease.
3: So kind of so, so just to kind of keep it simple, right? Like, yeah, how many? Uh, your patients that you, that you see, does everyone need all these complex tests or when do you start screening patients for just general cholesterol management or to see if they're elevated or do you, does everybody get this battery?
4: So not everyone needs sophisticated testing for, um, to understand artery damage, the patients who have known artery damage, whether it's in their heart or in their brain or in their legs, um, the the more urgent the patient's situation is for their arteries, I think the more valuable this testing is. And so, in a middle-aged adult without a lot of um, cardiovascular risk factors, you know, known. Risk. I don't think that this test has as a, this sophisticated testing does not have as much of a role as in people with known vascular disease. Having said that, we know there's a lot of people in the middle ground who haven't had a heart attack yet or r- at risk for amputation. We want to catch them early before they're in dire circumstances, and so there's a, a lot of. Um, Importance to using this for prevention before it's too late.
2: For example, with my dad, um, he was told by his primary care physician that there was no need to do any advanced testing despite his chest pain because his cholesterol in a basic lipid panel was normal. And it wasn't until we performed an advanced lipid panel that we discovered that it wasn't about the quantity of bad cholesterol, it was about the quality. You have large, fluffy LDL particles, the bad cholesterol, and you have these small, dense LDL particles that when they become oxidized by trans fats and free radicals and all of that, they they tend to get into trouble, right? They can sneak into the damage that's in your arteries and push that artery wall out to create a narrowing. And that's really what was going on with my dad. And so he had a very, very high um, number of these small particles that we had to we had to flush them out. But then it became an issue of, is it a liver production problem or is it a cholesterol reabsorption problem? And I'll let Dr. Danzinger um, explain a little bit more about that because yeah, <laughs> that's you. the limit of my expertise. So,
4: so those are numbers one and two on my list out of seven. So the, the most important is to understand the different um You know, the particles that are causing the artery damage are mainly cholesterol particles. And some of the particles of cholesterol, picture, picture tiny, you know, microscopic spheres or balls. And some of those are sticky and do damage. And so if you just measure someone's cholesterol level... And just say, "Oh, I have a cholesterol of 200. What does that mean?" Well, that's not enough. You need to know how much of that is the small, sticky ones that are doing the damage. And once you see that, and once you control that to minimize the number of the small, sticky par- cholesterol particles, then you've done your job. If you can't, you know, for for if if you don't know what's going on with the cholesterol particles that are doing the true damage, then I don't think you're you're seeing what you need to see, and and you know you're not done until you've got those minimized, in my view. And so yes, the blood testing that we do shows you how much of the particles are s- the small sticky ones that are doing the damage. So that's just one of of many examples um, that um, you know, you can see with with specialized testing. The other one you mentioned, Kim, is if someone has too much of the unhealthy cholesterol, knowing whether that's coming from the liver, which produces cholesterol, or knowing whether that's mainly from the intestines, which absorb cholesterol, really affects the way you treat the patient. About a third of the patients out there are what we call cholesterol overabsorbers. I happen to be one of them. And if you just use cholesterol lowering medication that affects the liver, like statins, then you're blocking cholesterol production from the liver, but you're actually worsening cholesterol absorption from the intestine. And so the treatments, whether it's medications or supplements, or even the dietary prescription can really be informed well by understanding the source of high cholesterol.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Danziger. We have to go to break and we have several people that are on the phone right now that we have to get to. If you want to call in and ask Dr. Danziger any questions, one 367 5329 That's 888-367-5329. We'll be right back. medical notepad brought to you by patient advocacy organizations take a stand against amputation and the way to my heart hello my name is dr ramsey abadir i'm with american endovascular in
6: fishkill new york and the question is when should you be worried about numbness or tingling that happens in the legs of course everybody can experience numbness or tingling even if you sit the wrong way and have pressure on the back of your legs for a long time and you wake up with that uh, or get up with that numbness in your legs. However, if you have numbness in the leg that persists over days, or especially if it's uh, associated with a a cold sensation in your legs or a temperature difference between your legs, that's more worrisome that something underlying uh, may be going on and you should be evaluated. It may be something as simple as, again, changing your stockings or compression. However, if there are other diseases such as diabetes or peripheral vascular disease that are going on, that should be evaluated and uh, treated accordingly.
2: Medical Notepad is a series for educational and informational purposes only. Advice offered is not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this series without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. For more information on peripheral artery disease, go to StandAgainstAmputation.com. For peripheral artery disease support, go to TheWayToMyHeart.org.
1: Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
5: So we're
3: back. We're going to continue our conversation about cholesterol and advanced blood work. We've got a couple of callers on the line here. Susan from Massachusetts, welcome to the show. Do you have a question for Dr. Danzinger?
7: Hi, um, yes, I have a question about cholesterol and uh, the need for statins. Can um, is that a question for? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Dr. Danzinger or Dr. Phillips?
3: we'll we'll take them. i'm going to we we'll, yes please get get yeah <laughs> that
7: is right on point That's okay right. um my primary care physician has always been satisfied with my um cholesterol levels uh and i i do have some numbers um but my cardiologist put me on um a a high dose of of a statin he's really He's trying to keep everything um, low so that I, I uh, don't run into problems with my, my peripheral artery disease. Um, my question is, how do I know whether or not I need the statins? Um, I've never been off the charts high.
3: Great question. Dr. Danzinger, what do you
4: think? Great question. So... You can't...
7: I've never been off the charts. Yeah, so... Thank from, you, Susan.
4: That's a great question. So so I'll share my viewpoint, and I'd love to hear what Dr. Phillips has to say as well. The For someone with artery disease, it's very important to minimize the particles that are causing the damage. And the... Um, statin drugs like Lipitor, for example, are terrific for lowering the levels. And in my view, you push it quite low and you be assertive about it. And in almost all cases of individuals with peripheral vascular disease or heart disease who have known artery damage, um, a statin is going to get you where you need to be um, versus without the statins. So I think almost all patients benefit from the statins, but how low do you go? And that's, um, up for debate. But in my view, I think most all of the evidence shows the lower, the better. And so I propose being aggressive. It's better to, it's better to push those LDL levels and especially the small dense LDL level quite low.
2: Yeah. Austin our Diagnostics has a statin sensitivity test. How does that play in?
4: Some, about one-fourth of, of people have a mild case of statin sensitivity due to their genetics, and about 4% of people have a severe case of statin sensitivity due to their genetics. So what I mean by that is about a quarter of the people have a, a gene for, you know, a, a a genetics that puts them at increased risk for statin sensitivity doesn't mean they have statin sensitivity you know that just by your symptoms so if a patient has symptoms of aches in their muscles maybe it's due to the statin maybe it's not and knowing whether you have the gen- the gene that predisposes to that or not can be very informative and if you have a combination of the symptoms and the gene that predisposes to you then you start looking at an alternative approach like maybe a little less of the statin and maybe a a little more of a cholesterol absorption blocking medication or some other approach there's different types of statins too and and um You know, Rusuvastatin is an example of one or known as Crestor. That's one that's more favorable for people who have those genetics.
2: You know, for my, my daddy had the cholesterol reabsorption issue, and we just pumped up that high soluble fiber and got him on some supplements. And I I know that, frankly, I'm just going to say he had to poop more. I mean, no joke. That's literally what happened. Women are supposed to supposedly um have a bowel movement two to three times a day, men three to four. And once he started literally increasing that, his numbers dropped significantly and dramatically.
4: Yes. Dr. Phillips, I'd be interested in your perspective on that caller's question.
3: Yeah. I mean, so as an interventional cardiologist, the folks that are coming to see me have typically have coronary disease or peripheral arterial disease. So in that patient population, I try to push to your point, their LDL as low as possible. You know, our guidelines are less than 70. The European, I think, are less than 55. But in my opinion, the lower, the better. And those that don't have documented or diagnosed coronary disease, but are at increased risk for developing it. And I think in our next segment, we're going to talk about the highest risk subset of patients with those that have diabetes, but those that are at risk, you know, we have a risk calculator and we can figure out what their 10-year risk is. And if it's elevated, I think there's good data to suggest starting them on a medication to help reduce their LDL levels as well.
2: Well, we'll have more about this topic coming up in just a moment right here on the Heart of Innovation. We have other callers on the line, so we are going to get to those in just a moment. So stay with us.
5: Okay.
6: Hey everyone, my name is Dr. David Alper, and I'm here once again with the footnotes. And today we're going to talk about summer feet. Why are we talking about summer feet? Well, because it's summer, and it's a wonderful time of the year to let your feet out and breathe as you're enjoying yourself in the sun, at the beach, or at parks. But you want to make sure you do it safely so that you don't take a pleasant time and turn it into a problem. The first thing you want to do is sunscreen. We all know that it's important to put it on our faces, our arms, our hands, our chest as we're in the sun to protect ourselves from problems. The tops of your feet is some of the thinnest skin on the body, and all too often, people don't go all the way down. You wanna make sure you use the same sunscreen you do for the rest of your body to protect yourself. And when you get home at the end of the day, moisturize, 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 especially the bottoms of the feet. Running around all day in the open hot air drives your skin out. Speaking of running around, Barefoot is really not the way to go. It is a dangerous world out there, and especially for people with circulation issues from PAD, diabetes, or other causes. These, however, are not something to spend all day in. Because they have no back, the only way you keep them on is by gripping, and it's really easy to trip and fall or step out of them, especially if you do not have sensations. Doesn't mean you have to wear shoes all day. Simply sandals with a back strap. This back strap keeps it on your foot and still allows the foot to be able to be out in the air and explore. If you have some dry skin, a little bit of a buffing stone is the way to go. Do not go deeply with things. If you do walk barefoot and you find yourself step on something, the first thing you wanna do if you can is find a pen and draw a circle around where that thing went into your foot because as you walk on it that hole can close makes it harder to find this is the time to go to a podiatrist or another medical professional do not go digging by yourself especially if you have circulation issues and sea urchins and things like that often have prongs and if you try to pull them out you're just either going to break it or you're going to tear your skin more it's really time for the professional if you get a cut You treat it like any other cut in the sense that you clean it, you cover it with a topical antibiotic, you bandage it, and you keep an eye on it. If it turns red, if it starts to weep, if it starts to get an odor, once again, get yourself to the podiatrist. If you do these simple things, summer should be fun, summer should be safe. For further information, go to the American Diabetes Association at ADA.org, the American Podiatric Medical Association at APMA.org, and of course, TheWayToMyHeart.org. This is Dr. David Alper. We'll see you for the next footnotes.
1: Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist, Dr. John Phillips.
3: Again, for joining us again, we're continuing our discussion on cholesterol and advanced blood work. Kay, you have a question for us. You have diabetes as well, and presumably have some issues with cholesterol. What's on your mind?
8: I have diabetes. Um, In the UK, we don't have pre-diabetes. You're either diabetic or you're not. Um, And there is no advanced lipid panel available in the UK. Even to get your triglyceride numbers and to get what we... Is very old fashioned, but we class as VLDL um, is an, is really pushing your doctor as far as you can get. Um, and I'm just wondering how soon something like the technology and the blood work profile that you have, Mister Doctor, would be available in the UK.
4: Oh, thank you so much for asking that question. You know, let me. So, so one point you made is diabetes, which every, we all know is an important, manageable risk factor for peripheral um vascular disease and heart disease and the other is the need to get this blood testing um to the UK and abroad so um the all of the, much of the sophisticated blood testing that we're talking about um is uses special equipment that we have at, at Boston Heart and uh, we're in the United States only at this time but but we're looking for a way to bring it worldwide and to you and your patients, Kay. And we're very close to launching uh, testing that uses drops of blood from your fingertip that go onto a card that you can mail to our lab. And- Wow. That, especially with a doctor's order- could really revolutionize the um, the ability to get this kind of specialized testing to patients uh, worldwide. So we're very excited about that, and we're still a couple steps away um, from being able to offer that worldwide. But we're ready in the United States to launch fingertip testing for a lot of the sophisticated testing we're talking about. Can I share some of the sophisticated testing we do for diabetes? Sure. So, for diabetes it 's well recognized that the blood sugar level and the hemoglobin a one c levels, which tells how sugar coated your blood are, are mainstream and done you know in all labs but insulin levels in the blood are very valuable, especially when they 're paired with glucose levels at the same time, so when you do glucose and insulin at the same time in a fasting specimen, that can tell you a lot about your pancreas function and your insulin resistance. And so if you can measure and treat insulin resistance, and insulin resistance responds well to weight loss and lifestyle changes, including dietary changes, and insulin production responds to, which we can tell from the combination of glucose and insulin. So the pancreas produces the hormone insulin. And we can see, pa- using that blood test, we can see damage to the pancreas and poor pancreas function long before it turns into diabetes, even really? before, it's, even before mm-hmm. it's pre-diabetes. And so at Boston Heart, I and our colleagues developed something called the beta cell um, risk index. And the beta cell function and risk index and using a glucose and an insulin, I can tell you compared to other people, whether you're at 100 percent or 50 percent or 25 percent, someone with type 1 diabetes would have like 1 or 2 percent of their pancreas function. Someone with type 2 – I'm sorry, type 1 diabetes would have almost no pancreas function. Someone with type 2 diabetes might have – 40% or 25% function and knowing where you are and using medications and the right lifestyle prescription to manage your pancreas function, you can really improve and you can improve your um, insulin production and you can delay diabetes dramatically. So that is an important but simple test that we that we offer.
3: Two comments on that is that more valuable than the you know the hemoglobin a1c levels that that we're getting to see what your cl- glucose has been over the past you know 3 months. And then the second question I have is based on what you just said. I've noticed like commercials for this thing you put underneath your and like your triceps area that measures your blood glucose levels and it's, there's an app to it and I, initially I, initially I thought that was just for folks with diabetes but I'm getting the sense that it's a, a means to measure glucose levels throughout the day for folks that don't have diabetes.
4: Yeah, great question. So no, the hemoglobin A1c is the most important test for diabetes by far. It tells you if you have prediabetes or how well you're doing with your diabetes. But let's give that the gold medal. The silver medal goes to the combination of glucose and insulin and your your, your beta cell function. And because that... that you know, don't wait until your glucose and your A1C are out of control. You know, that doesn't happen until you're about 50%, you know, pancreas function. I can see when it's 70 or 60 or 50 or 40, I, you know, you, so so um, our job is to make it simple for doctors and patients to understand. And most importantly, there there are medications that can be used before you have diabetes to improve your pancreas function. Yeah. Wow. So... Measuring glucose in someone without diabetes is cutting edge some companies are doing it in the US all the monitors for continuous glucose require a physician order so if a physician is, is providing it it's it's off label for someone with prediabetes or or you know but but there are companies that have doctors that are are agreeing to provide oversight to that kind of monitoring so that's the status of that and yes people who are overweight without diabetes get blood sugar spikes after a high carb high sugar high fat meal and if you can alert the patient to those spikes after meals and manage those you can probably help them with their weight and with with um, delaying the onset of pre-diabetes or diabetes great question.
2: And I want to get to Douglas really quick with a question we may not get to his answer right now, but let's get Douglas on the line. Douglas from Texas. Douglas, what's your question for Dr. Danziger?
1: It
0: it goes back to, um, as a patient, how do we know what panels to ask our doctors when we go there? I mean, do we ask for a lifted panel? Do we make sure that they they get, because I was in the hospital last night, the night before, and apparently they didn't do all the blood work they should have done but I'm seeing the new cardiologist Tuesday so as a patient I want to make sure that he does the right panels if that makes sense
2: it does and we're going to get to your answer and we have another cliffhanger here so we'll give the doctors a moment to think about that and we'll be right back with the answer so stay with us
4: That's a great question
2: That's a peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are The Way to My Heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients, and we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it.
1: Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. We're talking about cutting-edge blood work for cardiovascular health. We have Dr. Danzinger, medical director for Boston Heart Diagnostics, who's here with Dr. John Phillips and myself. We had Douglas on the line a moment ago who asked the question about. What do you ask your cardiovascular doctor when it comes to blood work? He was just in the hospital. He has a defibrillator. He was having episodes and no blood work was performed in the emergency room. What should he ask for when he goes to see the cardiovascular doctor in follow up next week?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. I wish there was a simple answer to it. I I wish it was as simple as saying, oh, just ask your doctor for advanced lipid testing. But what you need in order for the specialized testing to to be effective is a doctor who understands the meaning and the value of the testing and so you can't just go to your doctor really and expect the conversation to be oh doctor i would like an advanced you know lipid panel and then and then the doctor say oh okay you're absolutely right i'll order that right up for you what what you need is the opt to create as the patient, you want to create the opportunity for the doctor to understand the true clinical value of the test. And so actually, you know, and, and I'm convinced that when a doctor has the opportunity to learn the clinical value of the testing, then that doctor will never go back and say that, that, you know, once you understand it, you can't go back. You, you, you have to have yeah. it. Once you can see, you don't want to be blind. And so what I'd like to do is provide the phone number to give to your doctor so that the doctor can get, um, can learn about the testing. So can I, is it okay if I provide the phone number?
2: Just make sure I repeat it twice so people can write it down.
4: All right, so for a patient or a doctor to call Boston Heart Diagnostics so that we can provide information and scientific evidence and training, the number for Boston Heart is 877-425-1252. I'll say it again, 877-425-1252. So that's for Boston Heart Diagnostics patients and doctors, or to become a Boston Heart doctor. Right, and also, it's, free. It's,
2: it's, 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 it's There's no charge to it, and it's, it's covered by most insurance.
4: Yeah, the testing is covered by most insurance, and um, we also have a website, BostonHeartDiagnostics.com, where a patient or a doctor can start to get an understanding. So we have tons of educational videos and and. Um, pamphlets and and clinical information to help doctors and patients understand the value of the testing so that's really the the step to take and
2: I think the value and, and what I enjoyed with with my dad is once you do get the testing is then you can go to the website and for free you've already had your insurance cover the blood work and then you can go to their website and the wellness team over at Boston heart diagnostic can use that blood work to customize a meal plan and supplementation plan that you can discuss with your doctor to see if it's right for you. So
3: this is, this has been a fantastic show. I mean, we've just kind of scratched the surface on <laughs> cholesterol lab work, etc. And what I'm taking home with, with the conversation is for me, I have, I mean, there's certain things I do really well and things I don't do very well. And and honestly, managing cholesterol, I'm not an expert at it, but there are experts like Dr. Dan Singer out there that can help you. And I think it's important to to know how to reach out to those individuals and get in touch with them.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Dan Singer. We really appreciate you for being here. Medical director for Boston Heart Diagnostics doctor for Dr. Phillips and nurse practitioner Kay Smith. And thank you to Douglas and Susan for calling in as well. And thank you to all of you who are listening in. If you have any further questions, go to the and connect with us there. But have a great weekend, everyone. And we will see you next week where we're going to be talking about your feet and the summer, how to take care of your beautiful piggies in the awesome. summer. And-
1: You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award winning journalist, Kim The heart of innovation is for educational and informational purposes only. And advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare care team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room.
0: This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.